This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria, Australia's oldest drama teacher association. Consider becoming a member to take advantage of the many member benefits. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples, and we would like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to the Asaya podcast for drama teachers and students. My name is Lawrence Page and in this episode I'm joined by veteran actor, improviser and artistic director of Impro Melbourne, the one and only Catherine Weaver, as we talk about five games to teach narrative. Let's get to it. Hello, we're joined on the Aside podcast with Catherine Reaver for a wonderful second episode, and this time we're going to talk about five exercises to teach narrative. Number one. Number one. I am a tree. Uh, I am a tree. Someone says, I am a tree, and takes the physical position of a tree. The next person looks at that picture and thinks, what could I add? So maybe they come in and they take a position and they say, I am a squirrel. And then someone looks at the tree and the squirrel, and then they come in and say, I am a nut. Now, the person who was the first person in the picture will choose one of those people to stay behind. So then that way, if you're ever doing groups of three, four, or five, uh, you've already got the routine down. Uh, So the nut is chosen, and then the nut would start the next picture. I am a nut. I am a jar. I am a man reaching into the jar. So what has this got to do with narrative? It's starting to link ideas and almost build story. So if you let them go, uh, quite often I will pretend I can't quite hear students because sometimes they will go into like topics or shows that I don't really want to hear, but they're having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, So there'll be a policeman running down the street. Uh, I'm a bank robber running towards them. I'm the money exploding everywhere. So they're already starting to uh, do the platform of a story. Uh, Quick tip, this is also a good exercise to start exploring any text that you have or any themes. So for instance, if you were working on fairy tales, you could keep it in the fairy tale genre. So I am a tree, I am a door, I am the secret passageway, etc. Number two. Have a look at StorySpine. If you Google it, there is so many resources out there. I don't know who invented it. If you find out, please let Laurie know so he can pass on to me. Uh, so what it is, is it's a simple way to tell a story. So it's the starts of sentences, and I'm going to go through them now. So it's once upon a time and every day until one day, and because of that, and because of that, and because of that, until finally and ever since that day, and also some people add a moral. So you could explain how this works by using a story that all the kids already know. So, or young people. Uh, So for instance, once upon a time, there was a fish who lived with his dad. And every day the dad would encourage him to never go beyond the reef. Until one day he went beyond the reef. And because of that, he got lost in the current. And because of that, his dad went looking for him. And because of that, his dad found him all the way in Australia. Until finally they managed to safely return home. And ever since that day, he has stayed away from going too far over the reef. And the moral of the story is, listen to your father. 
and I use this in writing exercises. I also use this in sometimes uh, telling stories in groups or in peers. It's just a nice way to kind of explain how some stories work. When you have the trust of your students and they've started to get into storytelling, it's also a good way to start looking at who's building on the idea before. So when these stories work, people are really listening to each other. So for instance, once upon a time, there was a princess and every day she brushed her hair. And then the third person says, until one day she couldn't find a hairbrush. And it's like so obvious that's what needs to happen. But sometimes people want to be clever or they go into a place of fear and they bring in something that just wasn't there, you know. Once upon a time there was a princess and every day she liked to brush her hair until her parents got divorced. And you're like, what? Where did that come from? So it's a good way to sit with the students, hear how they're telling stories and then be like, oh, where did that story get hard to tell? Oh, cool. We're not responsible for this whole story. We're only saying one line at a time. So we're going to look at the work, not at individual choices. And so then it takes the pressure off. So you don't have to be like, you know, <laughs> this student said the wrong thing. It's more about, oh, yeah, it got hard when we started having tigers in the kindergarten rather than what we'd set up. Number three. Number three death in a minute this game people uh play very differently to the way that keith johnstone first wrote it i really recommend you have a look at impro for storytellers where it breaks it down because the idea was when he created this game was that new improvisers weren't doing anything on stage they were just talking or gossiping so the idea is there has to be a death in a minute so that we see the other person deal with the consequences of what happens when that person dies. Now, when I teach this game, of course, the first time it happens, everybody uh, puts the death at the very end or they telegraph it heaps in advance, you know, oh, there's a ladder or oh, watch out for the ladder. And I let them do this. But then I ask them to start making different choices. What happens if one of you dies really soon? And then I get them to brainstorm. What could we do? We could monologue about how much we missed Ralph and how much we loved him. We could hide the body. We could pretend he was still alive with sunglasses on. Uh, a few notes to be aware of. I have usually done something physical with the class first to ensure that they know that they can't do CPR on each other or strangle each other, etc. So if I'm teaching a class that are really physically rough with each other, I won't teach death in a minute. <laughs> Otherwise, there might Great be advice. a real one. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Uh, one of my favorite exercises to teach at the moment is picnic or holiday planning. Uh, you can find a description of this in the improv handbook. Uh, what it is, is you get the kids to plan a picnic together and you tell them that they always have to say no to each other. So I'll bring a, a bottle of Coke. No, I'll bring some bread. No, I'll bring some cookies. No. And they just have to say no to each other and then suggest something else. Then I get them to redo the scene, but this time they're going to be planning picnics. And usually I do this in pairs so people aren't watching. Uh, and I'll only let that bit go for like 40 seconds max. Now you're going to plan a picnic. 
And you have to say yes to the idea, but you have to say yes like it's the worst idea you've ever heard. So let's bring some bread. Oh, yeah, suppose if you like bread. Oh, how about we bring some Coke? Oh, Coke. Oh, if you want to rot your teeth. So real negative, and they always have to make a suggestion at the end. So then their partner can also be negative back to them. Then I ask them to say yes to their partner the next time they do it but build on the idea. So for instance, oh, how about I bring some bread? Yes, and I'll bring butter. Oh yes, and I have some perfect picnic knives to use to spread it. Yes, and I have a wonderful picnic basket to bring. Then I finish the exercise and I usually ask the kids, what was most fun? What helped plan the picnic? How far did we get to? What did that feel like? And quite often kids will say, being negative felt really mean, or I found it really easy to say no, but, and then I'll say, if you found it really easy or fun to be negative, how easier was it then to think of the next offer? And they usually admit that it's harder because they're having to shoot down an idea and then come up with their own. So teaching this exercise shows that we need to accept each other's offers to start to build a story which, of course, is narrative. Number five. Number five is typewriter. Keith Johnston invented this game, so I recommend you read about it in his book. What happens is a student is sitting on the side of the stage typing away a story. I will quite often get them to get a drink or get into their relaxing chair and start typing. And as they type the story, the other students make it come alive on the stage. That typist can then start to introduce some tricks. So usually when I teach this, I give them the very barest of explanations, get them into groups and let them play. Then they can come back, we can discuss it and then give them more tools. Like if it gets too hard, rip out that page and start again or If you can't think of what to go next, maybe say chapter two, out on the docks and change location. It's a really good way for them to start thinking about how stories work, uh, what kind of location offers there are, what kind of color we can put in stories. And I'll also get them to start thinking about that as the typist too, because suddenly they can describe stuff we can't act. Um, And if the story goes really kind of rogue, I'll quite often get the characters, and you'll read about this in Keith Johnston's book, I'll get the characters to just start interacting with the typist. It's one of the easiest fixes for this game, where the character just suddenly finds a little door and goes into where the person's typing and says, hey, what are you doing here? And maybe tags them out and becomes the typist themselves. And so suddenly you have Cinderella typing the story and the typist is now stuck in the story. So... Yeah, it's a really fun game, but make sure you don't get stuck in the rules of it because once you start playing, anything can happen. Catherine Reaver, thank you so much for your time. Oh, no worries. My pleasure. And that's all for this episode of The Aside. Huge thank you to Catherine Weaver for giving us her time. You can find out more about Impro Melbourne at impromelbourne.com.au where you can participate in their workshops or watch their highly talented performances. 
would like to ask us a question or you have a suggestion for a future episode, feel free to contact us on the side podcast at Outlook.com. We respond to a number of emails each week and are always happy to help. Thank you to Drum Victoria for their ongoing support. Thank you to Aaron Self for finding music. And of course, thank you for listening.